Welcome, dear listener, in podcast number six. I'm accompanied by Tom Brakleers, and my name is Hans de Meijer, and together we are Little, Big, and Partners, and this is our sixth backstage session. Correct. Tom, before we kick off, tell yes. us something that we don't know about you. Oh, what do you don't? What would you like to know? Uh, that know. is the question. There's know. so many things. Oh. Let me pick one. Um, many people ask me, uh, where does the the moderation voice or the presenter voice comes from when you talk, when you stand on stage, or when you? Uh, I have no clue. It's just it's in my system. Uh, but I think it goes back to my radio days. I used to be a radio disc jockey wow. at that moment, a radio presenter at one of the local stations here. Um, one of the radio stations during my student time, I uh, I had my own radio show, and probably I picked wow, up a couple of things awesome. there. And uh, yeah. yeah, so that cool. is what people maybe do not know about. Now me. they do. Now, now they, they do. do. <laughs> yeah. So I have to figure out something else next time I'm on one of these yeah, uh, pop quizzes. Anyway, but what do people don't know from Hans de Meijer? Well, there's also a lot of things they don't. And until I'm going to publish, I think by the end of 2019, my second book in which they will read this little story about little Hans, age seven, if my memory is right. When I was um, watching a motorcycle Grand Prix, uh, in, I think it was a Paris game in, in, in 78, it was. And no, it was before that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. 72. Black and, and white television. Yeah, black definitely. and white television. Yeah. And so uh, it struck me that those bikes and the bikers, whenever they take a left or a right turn, they, they are just going to bend over with the bikes, but it's as if they don't really move their steering gear. You know, it's like they go straight ahead. And so the next day I took my bicycle and I tried it out and it turned out to be not such a good idea. <laughs> I mean, my face got all screwed up. Uh, my arm got uh, wounded severely the tree in the garden of one of the neighbors into which i bumped at high speeds uh, was kind of damaged slightly my bike was all gone and my parents were really 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 <laughs> like a, a state of shock <laughs> so oh, yeah. yeah this and yeah, many I other funny imagine. anecdotes yeah, 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 <laughs> will be yeah, yeah. shared yeah, in yeah. a book called that, that reminds me of uh, of another <laughs> anecdote i once heard from uh I think it was Irvine when he was together in a team uh, with Schumacher in mm -hmm. Formula yeah. One, and there was uh, they were testing on on a racing circuit, and uh, uh, Schumacher always had one or one and a half seconds faster laps than Irvine, and he just couldn't understand what he was doing wrong. Yeah. So uh, they analyzed all the data because they have massive data, of course, and everything was roughly the same. But there was one bend in mm -hmm. the in the uh, in the circuit where uh, apparently uh, Schumacher took it in fifth or sixth mm -hmm. gear, gear yeah. and and Irvine in third, yeah. and he lost probably a couple of seconds there, yeah. which he then could later on catch up, but not really in the sense that he so he lost time in that one yeah. curb. Yeah. Uh, so they analyzed what he could do, and he said, "Well, it's impossible to take that curb in in fifth yeah. or sixth. It's just yeah. physically impossible." Is it? And and Schumacher, yeah. it's, I'm it's doing not it, impossible. So I'm doing it. So, uh, 
so they, they looked at how he could do it and yeah. and then he told the story uh, uh during one of the one of the speeches he said well uh, so so i went out on the track i got in my car i said i'm gonna take it in fifth or sixth or yeah. it's counting and and so i i went up on the track i went into the curb i said you can do it eddie take it in fifth and the whole audience was was just listening yeah. and it, he became silent said, you probably wonder what's next yes <laughs> so what happened i don't know i woke up in an ambulance <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Well, that's a bit the story of me. And yeah, my yeah, yeah. Here. So you yeah. also woke up in an ambulance. But we're getting sidetracked yeah, yeah. here. You you mentioned your second book, yes, because yes, yes. you just published yes. your first book. Congratulations! I did. I did. I did. It's a, a co-authoring uh, project, uh, but I'm very proud to have my name on it, um, and it's called Game Changers. Unfortunately, for the English only speaking audience, it's at this moment only available in Dutch. But it doesn't matter because if you invite me to come and give keynotes on what's in the book, I can do it in English, French, Spanish, Dutch, or whatever language you want to with our modern translation uh, stuff. And it's actually um, uh, it's a book about um, collaboration, about working together in a durable, sustainable way. And all of the factors and criteria that are important to be conscious of when you want to create these what we call generative fields yeah yeah it's an interesting experience yeah and uh, what what is what is the biggest learning from the book well the biggest learning for the authors was that um, at the end of a two-year project we actually saw that what we describe in the book is what we did in in, in during the process of making the book uh, we were we had a clear common goal. We had flexibility to change the goal or put it into a better direction. We were very open in our communication. We were very appreciative of one another. Uh, we had a high degree of trust. Uh, we left enough space for all authors to have their input, and we uh, communicated in a very constructive way. So the, the six pillars that we describe in the book and around which a successful generative field is built is exactly what we used during the process of making the book, and it worked really perfectly. Yeah. In a period of two years, imagine, like two years ago, one of the authors started with the idea, um, I want to become an authority in the field of uh, team leadership, but nobody believes me. And then someone else says, well, if you want to be taken seriously, you have to write a book. So be yeah. But how do I start it? And they say by, by surrounding you with people who maybe have the same ambition. So all of a sudden you're four authors and, and one student who has done a lot of research um, and, and you have an idea, let's, let's do something about teamwork and, and collaborative uh, experiences. And then throughout the first six months where you interview people and you get documented on the team, you see that actually it's a team that is like everybody is talking about it. So you don't want to be the 100th and author writing about this. So we kind of shifted a little bit the goal and we extended the team, uh, not only to limit it to, to teams in itself, but to everything that is surrounding a good collaborative field. And so this is a process that, that we, we had every month, every week we had a meeting and then we did a, a writing marathon in Spain uh, in September where we kind of got together and we worked 24-7 to put all the pieces into the book, which... Uh, 
then was uh, printed beginning of October and officially released in December uh, last week, actually. Yeah. yeah. That was that was the learning. I mean, a lot of theory, but if you put it into practice, you say, like, hey, this works fine. <laughs> and what was it? By coincidence that you discovered, hey, we actually followed our own process, or was Maybe, it something that was yeah. steered, or I think just happened? Yeah, well, the the, the basic theme is self steeringness. So don't do command and control, but leave enough space for for people to to find their ways. Maybe organically or genetically, we have it in us to to work like this. Um, so yeah. Maybe we just wrote down something that works unconsciously <laughs> if you want it and if you're able to do it. So we modeled it and now it's transferable. So so for people who don't do it intuitively, they can now read the book and say, okay, that's what I have to do in order to make it work. Yeah. Uh, what what makes up a game changer? That's the title. So game changers. Yeah. What is a game changer? Well, for me personally, a game changer is somebody who lives with plenty of options. So um, a command and controller, a traditional approach, whether it's command and control or let's say leadership, it doesn't matter. Most of the time is single or maybe dual option oriented. It's this or that. It's black or white. It's, uh, sometimes it's gray, then it's three options. But for me, the, the real game changer is a person, both in a management function, a leadership function, as well as in a, a team worker function, who lives by options. This is good, but this is also good. And if we do it like that, it's also good. And you can cherish this by, first of all, being very clear on where you want to end. I mean, if you want to go to Paris, well, everybody has to agree to go to Paris. If not, someone will end up in London and someone in Madrid. So this is one thing. But then the whole way of getting there might be flexible. And if throughout the journey, the whole group feels like maybe Paris isn't the best destination, maybe we should go to Orleans or, or maybe Strasbourg or whatever, then why not? I mean, you leave the options open. You're not stubborn and you say, no, this is what we agreed on and this is what's going to be. Live by options. That is, for me, what makes a true game changer. Okay. And is there something in the book, like a golden nugget or whatever you want to call it, a hidden gem that you well, discovered yeah. for yourself <laughs> that you said, oh, wow, I, did, I never thought of it that way or never looked at things yeah. that way? Yeah, uh, for me, there there are several uh, of these nuggets uh, without having, like, to say the pretension to say, like, we, we invented new stuff. Uh, I think most of what we've written down is existing stuff. Uh, but um, the approach of, of thinking um, in, in layers. Um, and so there is um, on disrupthrbelgium.com, uh, I guess you will find a short keynote I gave um, only five minutes, so easy to follow, where I kind of explain this this thing which started in our brains with, with like the emotional part and the rational part, which was then translated into companies with an instinctive emotional layer, uh, the, the co-workers, and then the more rational layer, uh, the management, who both have the, the, the normal task to be, let's say, to sustain one another in, in achieving the goal. But in reality, they very often work contraproductive. So, uh, and this, this approach of thinking in layers and then expanding on the layer theme and digging it out to all different aspects of collaboration and of uh, relations between people, uh, both on the same level or on different levels, that was for me something like I say, wow, this is this is a cool story. It makes sense. 
and you can apply it in, in many, many, many scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I often wonder with these kind of books or methodologies is uh, you attract probably people who are already receptive to the topic or that, that are already into the material. Uh, it, do you think it, it it's the same in this way that you will attract people who, in fact, are already game changers or that do already? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I remember that indeed the, the, when we launched the book uh, last week, uh, most of the people were HR or coaches or, or managers or leaders who were already thinking of, of well, yeah, we, we need to change something uh, because we try to avoid to invite family members and uncles and aunts. You know, that's easy to fill a room. So we were about 80 people, but really interesting yeah. people for us. <laughs> not that my parents are not interesting or anything. <laughs> Oops. Um, but the thing is indeed that, and, and even in that room, there was one guy who had browsed the book and who saw at several things like reference to NLP. And he said like, well, it's an LP thing. I, I I don't really believe in it. You know, this is this is not really what I stand for. So okay, very good. Uh, let's have lunch and discuss and talk about it because I'm curious to find out your opinion. So people will always have their view of certain things, and when they bump into our book, they might like it or they might say like, "Nah, this is not my philosophy." But the point you make is 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 correct. Um, if I'm not even thinking about changing something the chances that I will find books that talk about change are minimum. Uh, if I'm really looking for solutions, well, probably I will find it. And so most people who will bump into game changers, presumably, are people who are already doing something or at least want to start. Yeah, Bit And like the others, the, yeah. too bad. But <laughs> <laughs> Bit like the red Volvo syndrome. Indeed, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we need to explain the red Volvo well, syndrome. Well, the red Volvo syndrome is if, uh, and dear listener, try it out for yourselves. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that in the next two weeks, you will see a red Volvo when you're in your car out there. Tell us in the feedback <laughs> on the podcast whether yeah. it's true or not. So it, it, it's actually a, another way of saying you you find what you're actually looking yeah. for yeah. consciously or unconsciously. Yeah. So yeah. your mind is just filtering out stuff that's not interesting. Yeah. And if your mind is interested in, for instance, change or or self-steering yeah. teams, yeah. then you will come across these things. Absolutely. And, uh, it's it's yeah. the, this famous reticular activation system, yeah. which is actually focusing your attention on, on things that are interesting for you, that you're open for. And, and you will see it. I mean, it's it's so obvious. And, and we've all been there. We've all lived it. And we will live it, by the way, with Christmas again. We will definitely yeah. see things that have been there all the time. But now with Christmas, which is like a kind of an anchor, all of a sudden you say like, hmm, interesting. And then someone else says, well, it's been here all year. Well, never noticed it. But Christmas makes you also feel and see and do things that you were not even aware of while they were always there. I mean, yeah. Snow with Christmas is different than snow in February. Yeah. When it's snow in Christmas, and ah, oh, cool. It makes you joyful even more than, than when it's in February. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's, that's funny the 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 link between uh, a theme or a period like Christmas and mm -hmm. uh, and and the fact that you automatically are triggered to certain emotions. Whether that would make sense if you if you had the same sensory experience, if you were mm -hmm. like snow in February and you put up a Christmas tree yeah. and uh, and you put on Christmas carols. Mm -hmm. 
whether it would all make sense just as much as it makes sense uh, in this period. By the way, yeah. we are recording this podcast a few days before, before Christmas, Christmas, so yeah. that's so why we're thinking yeah, of it. Indeed, yeah. If you're now listening mm-hmm. to yeah. this podcast over summer, yeah. you're probably thinking, why are these guys Christmas? Uh, anyway, so that's the reason why we, we come up with this. Um, for instance, yesterday I had a, I had a workshop with uh, some students, uh, young group, and uh, so it's a workshop, so you have to work, great business model. Mm-hmm. You do nothing. They work. You get. They work. You shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so during the, the 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 parts where they work, I put up some uh, some really uh, cliche Christmas carol yeah. music. Uh, so Mariah Carey and Wham and yeah. uh, Frank Sinatra yeah. and uh, yeah, all of these, yeah. all of these above. And the reactions of people are different. Some yeah. people say, "Oh, it's Christmas." And I'll say, oh, not again, this, this yeah. crappy music. And, uh, so it's, it's funny how people in the same period relate to certain music. Well, if you were, for instance, in summer and you yeah. put up Mariah Carey or yeah. Wham!, whether you could trigger the same Christmas feeling. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it is an anchor, that's for sure. I mean, you see Christmas and you feel Christmas and you are Christmas and you believe in, in, in things. I think if, if we would translate this into the logical levels which by now most of our audience will understand but it's actually six levels that make up any situation starting at the bottom with the environment like with christmas it's it's december the time frame mm-hmm. uh, most of the time it's winter in our region where we are uh, so it's cold there's supposed to be snow um, the days are short and Uh, There's the second level of what people do and how they behave. Uh, Either they are depressed or they are joyful. (laughs) They go out for shopping. uh, They they go to Christmas markets and then all of these things. The third level is is the means that they use and and what they actually use to to do what they do. So they they use songbooks. They they watch movies. They uh, use uh, different garments to get dressed and and so and then the level the fourth level is what is important to them well all of a sudden christmas becomes like the moment where you need to be with your family and 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 where you need to cherish family and where you need to be friendly for people and where you need to feed the hungry and all of those things things that in january you forget and you just walk by anyone who's begging for money but christmas you give them a dime or whatever then there's who you are, your identity. Yeah? So whatever it is, but you what, the whole year you're working like hell. But then Christmas, you need to be the father. You need to be the caring grandfather or whatever. So there's a lot of changes there as well. And then the top level is what is it all contributing to? Yeah? So and, and Christmas is contributing in itself to something bigger, like a better world, like uh, the, all the initiatives that we have around this time of the year. And what you actually imply is that when you change in these levels that make mm-hmm. up Christmas some items, <laughs> what would be the impact? If you would change our region and you go to Australia with summertime and, and long days <laughs> and you put a Christmas tree, I think for us it it makes more kind of a strange sense than it would for them yeah, and vice versa. It, maybe we need to check it out. That's the second time we say in a podcast, we need to go to Australia. <coughs> yeah. Last time yeah. it was to check the drain, whether it we was going. We are just like so, looking for yeah. sponsors. So yes. if anyone so, needs coaching in Australia, our English is like, I think, acceptable. Yeah. Um, and if needed, we will definitely do an in-depth uh, bath. We will take an in-depth bath in, in practicing our Australian English. But they might. Yeah. yeah. So uh, some crocodile done day. <laughs> anyway, 
so yeah, yeah, but it, it, it's it's indeed a strange context because Christmas is the same day yeah. everywhere it in is. the world, but yeah. in Australia it's currently summer. Yeah. So uh, uh, how how would you go about to celebrate Christmas when there is a Christmas tree? On the beach and yeah, it's yeah, sun yeah, and people yeah, are walking yeah, around yeah. in bikini and swimming. And maybe you. over there they're yeah. just asking the same: like, how on earth can you celebrate Christmas in the dark with cold rain yeah. and snow? But I, 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 for instance, if you if you put up a Christmas tree and you spray some yeah. fake snow yeah. on there, would they do that in Australia as well? I have no clue. If so we have listeners if, in Australia, yes. let us or know. Or in any to, southern yeah. country where yeah. it's now summer yeah. in in December, yeah. Yeah. do you spray? Fake snow on Christmas know. trees. That's but one thing I, I'm pretty sure of that is that whether you're in Australia, Russia, uh, Japan, uh, South America, or Canada or Europe, there's one thing that will always come back after Christmas. Most of the time in January, February time frame, it's the New Year's drinks, and then yes. the moment where someone says, "Hey, you." Get on stage and and address the audience like ah. Oh, the New Year's speeches where people have to kind of improvise and then they start with, well, yeah, I was asked to address. uh, So, and I remember, uh, because I'm not the only one writing books, you also wrote a book in 2012, I think. 2012 it was. About presentation skills and tips. And one of the things I still remember after so many years of that book, and I still apply it and use it in our presentation coaching sessions as well, is a presentation diamond. And I think our gift to our audience would be the theory of the presentation diamond as a Christmas gift. And if it's later than Christmas and any gift that's (laughs) from the bottom of our heart, how can you make any improvised speech or even prepared speech, how can you turn that into an unforgettable, lasting event yes and that is the presentation diamond that's Tell us the, all about the secret it. key um what well, it's it's maybe the biggest key uh yeah. there's many secrets to it but uh probably mm-hmm. the, the the presentation diamond is the biggest one i actually also learned it from uh one of my trainers uh who was a a swiss an american swiss uh lady uh and she actually got into presentation training um it must have been 10 or 15 mm-hmm. years ago uh, she got into presentation training because she didn't like to stand on stage, which is funny for Weird. a presentation yeah, trainer. Yeah. So, but she was so obsessed with it that she she thought, "I need to figure out why I'm not doing this," and uh, blah blah blah. Uh, so she she got into it, and she also learned the presentation diamond from her trainer, and so it's yeah. been going around. Nobody actually knows where it comes from. But it stems probably from something that is in our system, in our DNA. That kind of makes sense if you build a speech or do a talk or a presentation, mm-hmm. you follow that scheme, yeah. that it actually makes sense. So the diamond is a it, model it, yeah, it visually, that reflects what good speeches actually yes. are all about. Okay. It's yeah. like with many things, it's stuff that works and it's yeah. not a model that somebody yeah. just invented in the dark yeah, ages no. and said, I'm going to yeah. reproduce yeah. that. No, it's and if you say diamond, I'm, I'm thinking like the cart diamond. The cart, yeah, yeah. like okay. a so two queen of diamonds, two triangles to yeah. stuck together, yes. point yeah. at the top, point yeah. at the bottom. And so a bit what, what's then in that diamond? And if in you start that diamond, at the top. If, you, if you look at the very top, this is the way you begin. Yeah. And normally people begin, if they give a presentation, for instance, hi, my name is Tom. And I'm here to tell you a little bit about. That's or how I have many... been asked to get yeah, on stage. Or, or to, yeah. I've been asked to do a speech yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. Uh, so all these cliches what yeah. you get. 
I call that the Donald Duck introduction. Yeah. It has to do with uh, the fact once I, when I was younger, there was a TV show mm-hmm. on Dutch TV uh, where people got into a cupboard with a yeah. curtain and they opened the cupboard and said, Hi, I'm Tom. And I will uh, imitate Donald, imitate Duck. Do- Donald <laughs> Duck. And usually did it pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doing it better than most of these kids. So uh, that's the Donald Duck introduction. Yeah. Uh, this is not the best way to start. What The best way to start is uh, what they call a hook, is the way you grab the audience's attention. Yeah. And that could be by giving a statement that attracts attention. It could be a bold statement. It could be a quote. It could be uh, an anecdote or a joke something you're telling. Happened, something something you refer that, to. But yeah. It yeah. might be newsjacking, yeah. so yeah. something that is, is currently in the news yeah. that you apply to your yeah. speech. Uh, and once you have a couple of these hooks, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's easy because you have them in the back of your pocket. And yeah. once you start giving a speech, you just pull out one of these yeah. hooks, not physically, but yeah. you just uh, start your speech in that way. And what really works well is a pattern break because they call it a hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a pattern break is something that the audience doesn't expect. They expect a certain pattern that people will begin with. Hi, my name is. Yeah. And, and you start. there's someone starting to tell a story. Yeah. Which, in my experience, also calms down the room immediately. Yes. You get yes. on stage and you start telling, like, hey, on my way here, I was talking to a friend and he told me the story about. And as you go on with the story, people say, oh, it's already started. Okay, let's, 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 what's that guy talking there, about? There's, it? for instance, a video, and we'll put the link in the yeah. description, uh, to a, a TED Talk by mm-hmm. Rick Elias, uh, who's the CEO of a uh, yeah. New York advertising company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gives a talk, not about his ad agency, but about being on the plane that crashed, crashed on the Hudson, the Hudson River. Yeah. 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 So amazing. he was sitting in, it's cool. yeah, it's, it's, it's really only amazing. five minutes, but it yeah. goes through the diamond yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and his first words are, imagine being on a plane with no sound. Now that is a pattern break, because yeah. first yeah. of all, <laughs> you don't start with, hello, everyone, I yeah. am here to tell you, no. <laughs> You start imagine, and that's yeah. already a strong yeah. word in, in terms of uh, mm-hmm. triggering your visual cortex in yeah. your brain. And then being on a plane with no sound. Just like, uh, wait, How, wait, wait. <laughs> a, a plane is very noisy. How can you be on a plane with no yeah. sound? Yeah. So that's the way you start with a hook, yeah. something that grabs Bam. the attention. Yeah. Then normally what you say is then who you are uh, yeah. in, in a New Year speech. You don't say who you are, but you could describe your role. Yeah. In what capacity uh, in what am capa- I addressing yeah, you? Yes. I'm talking I'm a, to you as a father, as a colleague, yeah. as a Christmas clone or whatever. Yeah. So it could be, for instance, the grandfather of yeah. the family who gives a, a yeah. speech. Yeah. And he starts with uh, many, many years ago, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. as a grandfather of this yeah. family. I and yeah. so you have introduced yeah. your role. Yeah. Uh, and then you say what you're actually going to say, and you chop up your, your your content. You chop it up in three pieces. Yeah, and three. Why three? Yeah. Three is 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 a sacred number. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes sense if you put it in three buckets. It's like your your brain. Uh, if you were to compare it with a computer, you have yeah. your storage, your disk, which is your mm-hmm. your memory, uh, and you have RAM memory, yeah. random access memory. And apparently our brain has really quick access to about three bits of information. Yeah. So if you yeah. chop up things in three, yeah. it makes sense for your brain. Yeah. Now, how do you start with that? If I, um, if I want to do a, a one-day uh, speech or, or, let's say, knowledge transfer, 
And I would like to put it in three blocks. How do I practically start? I, what, what? I draw the diamond. You draw the diamond on, then, a, on a yeah, whiteboard, yeah, on a flip yeah. chart, anything that makes sense, mm, your yeah. wall, the yeah. whatever. You, you draw the mm, diamond yeah. and, and you just take post-it notes oh, yeah, and you yeah. start putting post-it yeah. notes in certain things. So what, what I do in my mind mm. when they ask me, could you yeah. in like five minutes do just Improvise. a quick uh, something? And you know how to do that, yeah. right? So in my mind, what I'm doing, I have the visual representation of the diamond and I visually put post-it notes on there, which means that once I'm on that stage, mm -hmm. I literally read what on the post-it notes. Yeah. So people say, wow, it came out really smooth. Yeah. And, and of course, I just, I just read it. Yeah. And did you have preparation? No, I yeah. did not have preparation, but I was prepared. You were prepared. And that is yeah. uh, a... Small, yeah. subtle, but very yeah. important. Then the presentation diamond allows you to be prepared. To be prepared. To fill in the thing. Yes. So we have the opening anecdotes, uh, our capacity in which we speak. Yes. Uh, what we are going to talk about, then the three buckets chop it up where in three. we kind of make the, yeah. the interconnection. Yes. And then we are already in the second half of the diamond. Yes. Yeah. Then, then you're then all, almost wrapping it up. Yeah. So it could yeah. be, for instance, a new year speech could yeah. be looking back on things, yeah. looking forward on things. And, and then what is now. most important, yeah. what we should do now, or yeah. for instance, in a company, you could say last year's numbers, next year's forecast, and we, we really appreciate our yeah. people. Yeah. That would be the third block, yeah. for instance. And, and then, then you wrap, wrap it up. up. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you, then you say, have the Q&A so, or something. Yeah. And normally you end the presentation, yeah. you have Q&A, and that kind of kills many presentations. Yeah. Are there any questions? Lot, half of the room is already yeah. gone. <laughs> because... If you, yeah. you just talked about anchors of yeah. Christmas as a time anchor, but uh, the words, and there are word anchors as well. Are there yeah. any, any questions? Is an anchor for That's an anchor say. for people to say, oh, uh, check it yeah. out. Uh, I'm gone. I'm, yeah. uh, this this is so over. Yeah. Uh, so you, you miss half the point. Yeah. And people will remember how you start and how you end it. And you don't want that people remember <clears throat> the last thing you said was, are there any, any questions? questions? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is fairly easy to say, no, yeah. nope. because nope. it's a closed no, question. Yeah. Uh, so the way you can avoid that, if you have questions, is mm -hmm. to refer to your real closing, because you always want some kind of giveaway or yeah. some kind of last thought on your mind mm -hmm. as the real yeah. closing. And you use a cliffhanger technique. Yeah which is often used in, in television yeah. world. So it might be so something like I wrap up and then I say like, and there is still one very important thing I would like to share with you. But before I do, let's look at any questions that yes. might be. So for instance, one of the other ways instead of all the any questions <laughs> would be, I still have a little gift for everyone. Yeah. But before I get to that gift, who would like to ask the first question? question. Because the words who would like to ask the first question implies that there are, are questions, questions and somebody Absolutely. will be first. Yeah. That's yeah. uh yeah. So, and there's always somebody who then was like, Okay, I'll I'll go I'll first. Do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And let's then get, let's it, get yeah. to the gift. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna get to that gift, so I'll yeah. ask the first question. Yeah. And then you wrap it up yeah. with uh so what I, I wanted the to say away. was this uh, uh we do appreciate, for instance, in a new year speech, you don't have Q and A in a new yeah. year speech. So you, you go to your wrap up and then you say, I just wanna really stress this thing yeah. and for instance we appreciate our people so next year you all get five extra holidays wow. whatever and that's it uh, yeah. and at the very end which people often forget is yeah. to just say the one thing that gives the signal to your audience this speech is done, done. tick in the box and that is thank, thank you, you.
and that automatically triggers applause in people. Yeah. Oh, it's over. Yeah. Or here's to, for instance, yeah. if you give a speech with a glass of wine yeah. or whatever drink you have, uh, here's to the family, for instance. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then the yeah. others will say, here, here. So if I put this into practice, I could start my speech with um, last time I was hiking in nature. I bumped into a friend and together in the first evening, we mounted our tents and I see the guy getting into his tent completely in a sports outfit with high tech shoes. And then I ask him, what the hell are you doing? Are you going to go out for jogging? And then this guy answers, he said, no, 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 there's plenty of wolves here and um, so plenty of wolves, yeah, yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bed with this gear um, because if we are surprised by a wolf, um, I can get out and start running. Where I sit, like, but hey, you're never going to run faster than a wolf. And he looks at me and he says, "No, but I will definitely run faster than you." That might be the opening anecdote. <laughs> that might yeah. Be the, yeah. Then the bridge might be. So today I would like to talk about sports shoes in a figurative way of speaking, and in my capacity of being a coach or a mentor, uh, the three points I would like to dive into is the book Game Changers, a little bit about Christmas anchors, and the presentation diamond, and then blah 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 blah. Then I wrap it up, and then I say. There's still one very, very critical thing that I would like to share with you. But before we do, who would like to ask the first question? The first question comes. And then, yeah. so now we're almost at the end. And the thing I wanted to know about you is, what is it that you will do for the very first time in your life that you've never done before in 2019 that will bring you closer to your ultimate goal in life? Thank you. And then they should all start applauding. Yes, Thank you, yes, if you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woo, cheer, cheer. Yeah, cool. yeah that's the yeah. presentation diamond yeah. in, wow. in, uh, applied on yeah. this podcast. Yeah. That's cool, correct. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we should repeat the empowering question. The empowering question, was indeed. In there. So yeah. what are you going to do in 2019, that is, for the very first time that you have never done before, and that will bring you closer to your ultimate aspiration or goal in life? let that sink in yeah although if you do something for the first time does that not imply that you have never done that before maybe but since there is this time frame 2019 you yeah. might do it for the first time in 2019 yeah. and have done it in yeah but then you way. don't do it it doesn't matter let it Give sink in. Let it sink your in. feeling and your opinion in yes. the podcast comments. Like us, whether you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, or directly on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, that is. And enjoy lives. Have, have great Christmas days. And if you listen to this podcast after Christmas, just live joyful lives that are vaguely annoying to others. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions are more than welcome on info at littlebig.partners. That's also the website, yeah. littlebig.partners. Uh, you can listen to all the podcasts, like Hans already said, Absolutely. on the different platforms yeah. or, on, or through the website, littlebig.partners forward slash podcast. Yeah. And if your January speech, you say like, huh, rather not, you can always rent us. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are quite affordable, though not really cheap, <laughs> but we deliver lasting speeches or we can support your team into delivering lasting communication uh, items. So take care and catch you later. See you at the other side of the calendar. Little Big Backstage Sessions. Thank you for listening.